On this episode of the Nonprofit Ready Podcast, I'm pleased to be joined by Brittany Yelverton, Community Relations and Volunteer Manager at Girls Empowerment Network. The last thing you want to do as a volunteer manager is make it feel like there's a chasm between paid staff and volunteers. Um, You want every single person that's contributing to your agency, regardless of pay, to feel as if they are important and they are recognized and they are appreciated and what they do has an impact. Welcome to the Nonprofit Ready Podcast, conversations with accomplished professionals from across the nonprofit sector about what they do, why they do it, and how they make change happen. I'm your host, Justin Waddell from nonprofitready.org and the Cornerstone On Demand Foundation. And today, I'm pleased to be joined by Brittany Yelverton, Community Relations and Volunteer Manager at Girls Empowerment Network, a nonprofit organization in Austin, Texas, whose mission is to support and guide girls to make wise choices as they navigate the unique pressures of girlhood. Brittany is one of the key people responsible for recruiting adults and high school students to volunteer with the Girls Empowerment Network and make a positive impact on girls in their community. Brittany, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be joining y'all. Yeah, you know, I am very excited to have this conversation with you. As you may know, this is our volunteer engagement month here at Nonprofit Ready. Mm -hmm. So I'm very eager to learn more about your experience in this realm. But first, why don't we start by telling everyone a little bit more about Girls Empowerment Network? Absolutely. So the Girls Empowerment Network is a nonprofit here in Central Texas. We work with girls in third grade all the way up to 12th grade, uh, and we really provide social emotional programming that helps girls gain skills they'll need to navigate the unique pressures of girlhood. So we're able to have really interactive and engaging programming that addresses everything from healthy relationships to body positivity to communication, stress management, and so on. Um, Really just all the issues relevant to girlhood. How did you first get involved with this organization? So I first got involved with the Girls Empowerment Network in 2011, and it was actually through the AmeriCorps VISTA program. So I was a volunteer in service to America, and I did a year um, through this uh, federal program where I served really to build capacity and help contribute to sustainable growth um, at the Girls Empowerment Network. And I did that as a volunteer specialist. So this was actually um, in 2011, my first kind of foray into volunteer management. Um, And I have not been able to leave since because I love it so much. That is awesome. And I love that you were a former AmeriCorps. Mm -hmm. Uh, What prompted you to join the AmeriCorps? I actually finished graduate school and, and moved back to the States. And I was looking for different programs that would really help me to become more familiar and gain professional um, skills in nonprofit. And I came across the AmeriCorps VISTA program. And it really it is just solely focused on capacity building and sustainability um, within nonprofits doing really important work in communities where there is um, market need. And so I just learned a bit about the program and uh, of course knew I wanted to be in women's and girls issues because that was my background and, and ran across the Girls Empowerment Network. And it was just kind of kismet. So all the stars aligned. Um, but I have a huge uh, and deep uh, respect for the AmeriCorps VISTA program and AmeriCorps in general. So I was really happy to join uh, in that capacity. It definitely sounds like it, it was the product and culmination of a passion to get involved in this kind of work. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that passion came from? That passion, actually, it, sometimes it's hard for people to pinpoint where the love of service or, or community engagement came from, but mine very much came from my mother. <laughs> She's a social worker. And I remember when I was nine years old, uh, she was like, it's really important that you do what's right for your, your family and your community and that you really 
care about others. And she was just a huge social justice advocate. So the first time I ever volunteered, I was 10 years old and it was for a maternal and child health care clinic um, at a winter uh, kind of celebration and event where we were passing out um you know, non-perishable food items and coats. And and so from a very young age, my mother just kind of taught me that service was really important and community engagement um, and social justice was really just something that should be a huge part of your life. And that really informed everything I did from the time I was a child, I think until present today. So I'm incredibly thankful for her influence. I love it. And it sounds like you continue to carry on that mission of helping others to understand, you know, how they can contribute and get involved, you know, through your role. So that might be a good point to transition to a discussion of just what it is you do. Uh, How would you describe your job to people that work in the sector? I would describe volunteer management. uh, Really, it is building out a staff to really further the mission of the work that you do. But it's staff that is unpaid um, and does it purely out of um, desire and, and compassion and, and sincere interest. And so it's kind of movement building. It's kind of helping to, to catalyze a community um, or a, a group of supporters to really engage uh, in some kind of activity that's going to better or support or make a positive impact in a community. So it's staff, but once again, without that accountability piece where there is like, you are being paid to do this work or you are being, you know, this is helping necessarily like build out your resume. It really just comes from a a deep desire to help contribute to positive change. So volunteer management in general and kind of what my work is, is it is capacity building. Um, and it really does support the nonprofit as a whole. And I would say it's really integral to making a nonprofit um, a, be able to grow um, and to actually expand and increase its services, not only in sheer size, but also just um, I think an, an impact uh, and really in, in its ability to make a really just wonderful change because the knowledge and the skill set that volunteers bring is unbelievable. And when you're able to really harness that and utilize volunteers in a way that is productive and impactful, both for them and for the agency, um, the work you can do just expands and the impact you make in in a community just really, it, it just exponentially grows in a really impressive way. Mm -hmm. So just from that, it sounds like there's a lot of weight on your shoulders in terms of really making sure that these volunteers are as successful as possible. Mm -hmm. Now, there's already a whole industry and a whole struggle for just managers to effectively manage people who are being paid. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you obviously face a different situation. As you seek to navigate uh, this specific circumstance, what does a typical day look like for you? A typical day, um, it really is, and I will say this about volunteer management, it is about relationship building. So it's about having clear expectations for what is the volunteer position or role? What are they expected to contribute? How are we expected to support and train them? And then how do we continue over time to build those relationships and also to help them kind of climb the ladder of volunteerism so that they're taking on more um Uh, kind of tasks and more projects, and they're really kind of becoming a leader. So I'd say a typical day really is rooted in in relationship building. And that can look like anything from the very unexciting, sending numerous emails to people to check in and say, how is the program that you're volunteering with going? Do you have any questions? Is there any way that we can better support you? To sitting down with uh, someone new for coffee to say, hey, you know, I know that Jennifer recommended 
that you would be a really great fit for a volunteer in this agency. Let's talk a little bit about what we're looking for and what skills you have and my, how we might be able to kind of integrate you. Um, so it could just be initial one-on-one -on -one meetings. We are trying to meet a community member and see if they might actually be a really great fit as a volunteer. Uh, and it could even be just community relationship building. So a lot of our volunteers come through other um, kind of corporate partnerships that we have, um, sometimes tied to funding and sometimes not. And so sometimes it's, my job is as simple as just going and educating people about what's going on in gender justice and gender equity. What is the Girls Empowerment Network doing? Um, and so there is even a lot of public speaking, but that I still think is really rooted in relationship building uh, and in education and awareness raising. You're telling me all this and my head is spitting. There's so many different, so many different plates that you're balancing here. Uh, how do you prioritize uh, these conversations and delegate to your team and make sure that, you know, all these balls remain in play for your organization? That's definitely, I think, one of the biggest challenges. And I will say that it's a challenge as a volunteer manager because you could spend hours with each individual volunteer training them and you could spend time really building that relationship in a very intentional and deep way, which would, you know, then take 27 hours uh, a day of work. Um, but then there's also, as you, with any nonprofit career or position, uh, you have so many options for ways to make an impact in the community. And so it really is all about prioritizing your time and your tasks, which is a challenge because there's so much to do when there's only so many hours in the day. Um, I am very fortunate to have a team that deeply values volunteerism and understands the impact and importance that volunteers play at the agency. And I'm able to kind of bounce ideas off of them and say, okay, here are four areas where we have a need for volunteers, which are the top two or three most important, whether that be because they're the most time sensitive or they're the largest projects um, or because, you know, they are a longstanding tradition as the agency. We really want to make sure that volunteers that have been doing this for five, 10 years still are able to plug into that same opportunity. Um, it really is just about working with my team and being able to prioritize whether that be um, kind of based on time sensitivity or impact of project or size. Um, of the expectations in terms of volunteer recruits. Now, you mentioned that, you know, working in the nonprofit sector, you're obviously wearing a lot of hats at this point. When you first started, what did you think your job would be? And how has that expectation changed over time? I really thought when I started, especially as a volunteer specialist, before my current um, position, which is community relations and volunteer manager, really became rather expansive and a, and a bit more all-encompassing. As a volunteer specialist, when I first started, I just thought, okay, well, I'll recruit volunteers and then I'll train them and then I'll place them in, at the different programs. And then that'll kind of be it. I just thought, okay, it's really about just like getting them in the door, training them and sending them on their way. Um, but then you don't realize there needs to be consistent communication and there needs to be other opportunities for them to grow their skill set and to contribute in new ways and to take on larger leadership roles so that they continue to feel fulfilled and challenged um, and like integral part of the team. Because the last thing you want to do as a volunteer manager is make it feel like there's a chasm between paid staff and volunteers. Um, you want every single person that's contributing to your agency, regardless of pay, to feel as if they are important and they are recognized and they are appreciated and what they do has an impact. And so I think that coming on, I was like, oh, I'll get them and then I'll train them and then I'll send them out my door. But it is, um, you learn very quickly, it's a consistent, it's a consistent contact and support Um and there's always tweaking of programs that have to be done to make to make them 
better, not only for the folks they're serving, but also more impactful um, and more substantial for the volunteers who are really giving of themselves in their time. You mentioned trying to minimize that chasm uh, between the volunteers and the employees. Mm-hmm. And there are a number of ways to do that or look to include them in your standard operations. Have you ever given volunteers a performance review? We actually, we initially thought we would institutionalize a, like uh, an accountability check is what we call it. After a month of you being in a reoccurring program, we would have mm-hmm. you sit down with your program coordinator, which is the person you're providing services alongside, who's a staff member at the Girls Empowerment Network. And they would kind of evaluate your performance. And we realized, especially since we're working with youth and there's new things that pop up every single time we're working with the girls, that it was really important for that feedback um, and that performance review almost to be on an ongoing basis. And so we've actually have um, kind of mandated that volunteers, not just volunteer during the program, but are willing to stay 10 minutes after the program every single week um, just to debrief about what went well, what didn't go well, what was a challenge, what do we need to amend in the curriculum to make it better next time around. And so it's actually kind of a consistent feedback loop or performance review that we do with volunteers. And they're also encouraged to give our actual program team feedback and say, you know, I really think that if we had led it this way, it would have been a stronger, uh, you know, section of the curriculum. And so it's a continual and ongoing um, opportunity. You know, something that just occurred to me is that your volunteers do go across a wide span of age ranges. Is that Mm -hmm. correct? They do. We volunteers can be anywhere from ninth grade to ninth grade girls to like, you know, 82 year old retirees. How do you account for those differences in age and demographics as you implement your training programs? That's a great question. We actually build out some pretty specific volunteer roles. So the one thing that I would advocate for as a volunteer manager is to make sure that whether it's a single volunteer opportunity that you have at your agency or if it's eight different volunteer opportunities, that you have very specific parameters or expectations around that specific volunteer role. And so for our high schoolers, we actually have a very specific volunteer role that's a little different than, you know, what adult volunteers may do. Um, and so they help on a capacity that's a little less uh, strenuous in terms of time commitment because high school is pretty demanding and pretty challenging academically. And so we're able to A, meet them where they're at in terms of their availability um, and ability to commit. Um, And so we have very specific opportunities to plug them into. Um, The same with our retirees. We have a lot of retirees who have availability during the day. And so we've built out a very specific in-office volunteer role and opportunity for them. And so uh, each volunteer role also requires different kinds of training and different kind of intensities of training. So it sounds like it's a lot more work to have very specific volunteer roles and specific trainings, but in the end, it actually saves you time because volunteers are just trained for the specific kind of uh, contributions they're going to be making. They feel supported and knowledgeable about that. They haven't been overwhelmed with information. Um, And it also is something that's going to really, A, resonate with them and be a convenient fit where it doesn't feel like we're asking them to do more or less than what they um, are interested or able to do. Now, that actually leads to my next question, which is what do you really do for volunteers who don't have an opportunity to engage directly with your constituents? You know, I know you just mentioned all of this. Is there a secret sauce that you have to connect volunteers to these opportunities? Or does it take a specific volunteer mindset from the get-go to embrace them? 
I think it it takes transparency and honesty on your on your part as the volunteer manager. So saying these are what volunteer roles look like, and these are the very clear parameters and expectations we have for these six different volunteer roles. We want you to be involved in the agency. Which of these is going to be most conducive to your schedule and your availability? And so it's being very honest with them, but then it's also allowing them to take um, take the ownership and saying, you know what, this is the the way that I want to engage because you never want to turn someone away but once again you don't want to create more work for yourself if they're just not going to be able to be a good fit for that program because of their availability or their skill set or what have you and so part of it um, is being I think having those volunteer roles and expectations upfront and clearly um, communicated from the get-go but it's also about once again being really innovative and creating different ways for volunteers to get involved and I'm a huge fan of the Thankathon, which you can do in an evening from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. you can bring in volunteers who maybe don't have the opportunity to work with the clients or constituents you serve or maybe they're very busy or maybe they're they've not volunteered with the agency before and so they're learning um, they're wanting to learn a little bit more about you and kind of dip their toe into the water a thankathon is just when you call all of your donors from the past fiscal year and as opposed to doing the thing where you phone make and you make an ask like can you donate money or can you volunteer at this event you're literally just saying what you've done and the donation that you've made has made such a huge impact and we are just calling to say thank you i love that idea (laughs) i don't know what i would do if someone called me at dinner and said, you know what i just want to thank you yeah that's amazing. It's it's such a great way for volunteers to get engaged because it makes them feel good too. Because I think phone banks and the idea of calling a stranger makes a lot of people very, very nervous. Um, but to, to just be somebody that's like disseminating gratitude and then to be on the receiving end of that, that helps you as a donor feel that much more connected to that agency. It helps volunteers feel connected to the agency. There's no prior training required. And so we do think it's twice a year. Um, which I think is a great way to get people involved. But like I said, we also have people come in and, you know, put together goodie bags, even um, thank yous for um, our volunteers. I have volunteer nights where volunteers make thank you gifts for our other volunteers, (laughs) which seems kind of silly. But if you want to make gifts for volunteer appreciation month in April, and you have 97 people you need to make gifts for, as opposed to doing that on your own as a volunteer manager, call in some reinforcements and get some volunteers to kind of come together. I always start everything with an icebreaker because what you're doing as a volunteer manager is trying to build community and connection. So I also try to make it like a jovial and celebratory environment. So we start with an icebreaker. We have some snacks. Um, we put on some like cheesy Hall and Oats and 1980s music. And then we put together appreciation gifts for our reoccurring volunteers who do commit to that weekly uh, opportunity. So that's another thing that I would just suggest is like an actual tangible thing you can take away and implement at your agency. All right. So you you heard it, folks. Thankathons <laughs> and Holland Oats. Just <laughs> copious amounts of both of those. You'll be okay. So a question on all of these volunteers. Uh, you mentioned that you know they're coming from high school to retirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you getting all of them? Are you having partnerships with schools and corporations, or do they just hear about you online? The same way that I think it's really important for a nonprofit to have a diversity in terms of funding, so a diverse funding stream, I think it's important to have a diversity in, in terms of volunteers and where you're, where you're recruiting those folks from. And so I would say... A great place to start, especially if you're just trying to get your your program off the ground and you're needing some volunteers, universities, local universities um, and colleges are a great place. I mean, connect to the service learning center there, connect to, you know, any kind of department that's relevant to the constituency that your agency serves. 
that's a great way to recruit. And oftentimes universities and colleges have volunteer fairs or service learning fairs. And so a lot of it's just spreading the word. Um, we also do a lot of kind of volunteer opportunities that are specifically for corporate sponsors. So if, if a corporation donates to the Girls Empowerment Network or is a sponsor of our We Are Girls conference, it's really important for us not only to just say thank you for the, the funds you've given us, but like how can we actually engage your employees so that they see the impact that the dollars are making and, and the way. And so Dell is a great funder of the Girls Empowerment Network and they, they along with Samsung, I mean, we've got so many great funders here in the community. And so we specifically go to to those corporations and we set up volunteer opportunities for them, whether they be on site at their headquarters or whether it be, you know, hey, this is a great opportunity to get involved. Come and volunteer at this We Are Girls conference or come and serve on our career panel. Um, and so we also get volunteers through corporate partnerships um, and sponsorships. And then we also post a lot. I mean, we, social media is a great way to recruit folks because a lot of people, um, whether it be like something like Volunteer Match or United Ways um, online portal or even, you know, just Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, all of those venues, it's a great way to not only educate people about the work you do and the impact you make in the community, but hey, here's a way you can get involved and here's what you can do to make a difference in the community if this is something you care about. So we recruit volunteers really from all over the place. Uh, and once again, I mean, being really uh, uh, intentional about where you're going and what you're looking for is really, really helpful. Uh, thinking ahead to what happens after uh, these volunteers actually get engaged and how you continue to make sure that they're successful over time, how do you measure the impact of everyone's involvement with your organization? That's a great question. The first thing we do is we track volunteer hours. And that can always be a bit of a challenge because as you know, sometimes the volunteers don't reply and they won't report their hours. And so we've institutionalized a sign in, sign out uh, volunteer uh, kind of tracking system essentially the same way we take attendance for girls in our programs volunteers sign in and out at every single um, opportunity and so that's a great way for us to be incredibly accurate about the volunteer hours and the contributions just in terms um, of, of sheer numbers that they have contributed and then we always then um, kind of convert that to what does that look like as an in-kind donation so if volunteers contributed almost 7,000 hours last year, which they did at the Girls Empowerment Network, what does that look like in numbers? And it's valued at over $150,000. And so that's a great way to show funders and just to show the community and your board, not only is, the, is, is our community invested in volunteering and really dedicated to serving this agency, but their insight and their skills and their time is actually pretty significant in terms of monetary donations. Um, and so that's one way. The other thing we do is we capture stories from volunteers. That's a great way to show the impact they're making on the programs. And it's also a great way of helping connect them to opportunities and outlets for them to share, hey, this is what this means to me. And so doing surveys at the end of every semester, um, both a Likert scale survey. So what do you agree with? Do you strongly disagree or agree that this curriculum was relevant? Do you strongly agree or disagree that the communication you received from your program coordinator was sufficient? We do things that are going to help us improve our volunteer management and programs. But we also capture stories and say, you know, what's the most kind of heartwarming thing that you heard? Or what's the most eye-opening thing that a girl shared during club? Um, or what's the most inspiring uh, kind of experience you had volunteering? And so that's a great way to just capture that more um, uh, kind of qualitative info to see the impact volunteers are making on the agency. 
You know, I have to say, Brittany, it sounds like you have it all figured out. <laughs> Were there any mistakes that you ever made as you've gone through this role? Oh my goodness, so many. So many mistakes. And I think that's natural. And I think it's okay to say, I'm going to do the best job that I can with the resources and knowledge I have now. But one of the best things that I, I did was as soon as I started volunteer management, I joined an organization called Dovia, which is Directors of the Volunteers in Austin. And it's a nonprofit professional organization, which really just provides a space for anybody in any agency who's doing volunteer management to come together and kind of download knowledge and and share skills and insight. So the first thing I did was I joined a professional development organization that would help prepare me for what volunteer management looked like because initially I made so many mistakes. I made promises to volunteers like, of course we can place you in a program on Friday without knowing if that was really going to be the most feasible, but I was so scared of telling someone, you know what, I'm not sure if that's going to be the best fit for our agency. Let's talk about what other options we have. Um, And so once again, I think that you get so, especially in the beginning, you're like, I just need, I need as many volunteers as possible. And I need just to tell them, yes, and I will create programs for them and it will be great. And you end up actually creating more work for the agency and not actually giving volunteers a, a, a suitable and, and fulfilling space. So I think that was a mistake I made very early on. And there is such thing as over recruiting. And so I also think that, you know, early on, I was like, you know, I, I think we'll need 80 volunteers, but I'm just going to go ahead and recruit 180. You know, I'll just, I'll just double that. Um, thinking that, oh, some people won't show up. And, but the thing is, is if people feel connected to a mission and you are consistently communicating with them and you give them something worthwhile to do, they will show up. And the last thing you want to have people do at a volunteer event is just have them standing around. So I think I also made that mistake early on where I tried to overcompensate in terms of recruitment numbers. So my, my mistakes were plentiful, but I learned from them and I got support from other people who had been doing this so much longer than me so that I was able to gain insight and knowledge pretty rapidly in terms of best practices. Are there specific mentors that have stood out to you in your career? Oh my gosh, absolutely. There have been so many. Um, I think a lot of the the mentoring that I I received was at the Girls Empowerment Network when I originally started. And it was from a staff member who was not even involved remotely in volunteer management, uh, but was really, really knowledgeable about about relationship building and understood the importance of making people feel heard and respected and connected to a mission and important uh, and impactful. And so I kind of watched her and saw how she was able to do that with program staff and donors. And I said, well, that's the same thing as, I mean, I'm developing relationships as well, and they might not lead to dollars, but they're leading to time, which is often an even more finite resource for some folks. Um, And so that was a really helpful piece. And then in terms of mentors, you know, just this is going to sound so cheesy, but so many of our volunteers have taught me so much. And even our college volunteers who are so much more knowledgeable about girls and women's issues and have said, okay, this is how you make the work you do more inclusive. And this is how, you know, this is the language you can be using to make people feel really heard and respected. And so I think that a lot of it's just kind of, anybody can be a mentor to you, honestly, if you just kind of like open up your mind and, you know, are willing to learn and stretch and expand um, and accept new uh, information. I think that's a, that's definitely feasible for anybody. Well, that said, and internalizing all of the wisdom that you've gotten from your mentors in the past, what mentorship would you pass down to someone who's preparing for a role in volunteer management? One of the best pieces of advice I've ever received, and it sounds so silly and ridiculous, but it's something that I tell all of my interns, is if you want somebody to do something, 
it takes on average about eight asks before they will actually do it. And so once again, it's this consistency and this kind of reliability in your communication and this saying, hey, we met you. I met you last week and I really wanted to follow back up. And hey, I met you two weeks ago and I just thought of this thing and it made me, you know, this article reminded me of something you mentioned in terms of girls issues that I wanted to share with you. And, and kind of once again, it's that relationship building. But I always tell folks that. Uh, especially, you know, people are inundated with so many emails every day that it is so important to be consistent, almost to the point of being like, oh my gosh, I've received four emails from Brittany in the last two weeks. What in the world? But that leads to people saying, you know what? She values me and she actually really wants me to be a part of this opportunity. I'm going to go ahead and sign up because this fourth email was a great reminder or this, you know, this fourth email on this fifth and sixth call. And so that's, it seems silly and it seems, it is time consuming. And a lot of volunteer managers are like, I don't have time to do that. But the more work you put into building relationships up front, the more connected that person is going to feel not only to the agency, but to you. So that when you call them and say, Hey, I know it's short notice, but I need somebody to come and help me do data entry for 1500 people tomorrow. They already know you and they trust you and they like you. So they're going to show up for you. And I think that's the biggest kind of piece of information I pass along to my, my mentees and the people that I'm really fortunate to supervise um, is just how important it is to like build that connection and that relationship with people. Cause that's what gets people that's what gets people showing up and that's what builds accountability and volunteers. Amen. Now I'm going to have to go back and check our email chain. I wonder how many <laughs> times we reached out to you before you said yes to the podcast. <laughs> well, no, that was fantastic. You know, uh, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to tell uh, anyone volunteer uh, or otherwise who may be considering working within the nonprofit sector? I mean, absolutely. For volunteers, I would say find something that speaks to you. Find something that really resonates with you and that you're passionate about. Um, and, and think very intentionally about the ways that you want to serve. Uh, and, and be willing to do as much as you can while also respecting the fact that, you know, you have parameters and boundaries. But I'd say, you know, volunteer volunteers, if you're interested in an agency and you're not sure if you want to do something on an ongoing basis with them, see if they have an open house. See if they have an information session. See if they have a one-time event. Um but do it. Get involved. That's what I would say to volunteers. And bring your friends. Volunteer managers love nothing more than when somebody says, hey, I want to come to this event. Can I also have six of my friends sign up? We are like, absolutely. Thank you for advocating for us in the community. Um, for volunteer managers, I would just say it is a lot going on at once. And there are a lot of plates up in the air and there are a lot of hats that you wear. Know that it's okay to prioritize and figure out what needs to be done. And it's okay if, you know, you need to take time to focus on, okay, I just need to place these volunteers and I'll respond to those other emails, you know, tomorrow. Um, give yourself that freedom and flexibility and that forgiveness because you do have a lot to do. Um, but you also have to be pretty relentless about building relationships. And sometimes it's just as simple as dropping somebody an email and saying, hey, I saw, you know, this great play yesterday. It was one of the local artists that you told me about. I just wanted to say thank you for the recommendation. I hope you're doing well and I hope to see you soon. Here's what's going on. And so the last thing I would tell the volunteer managers is always have a hard ask. You want to follow up with people and kind of build those relationships, um, but always have a, okay, and this is also what I'd love to see you specifically, or this is also what I'd love for you to do. So having a hard ask. And if they say, no, I can't do that saying, no worries, totally fine. Can you do this instead? And so always having a secondary backup ask, um, because you don't want to let people just go. You want to say, not only do I care about you being involved, but we have the need for you here. 
So if option A doesn't work for you, let's take a look at option B. So I'd say that's the other kind of big piece of advice is that consistency in relationship building and the always having a hard and direct ask um, because that's what gets people's you know foot in the door. Yeah, amen. Consistency and contingencies mm-hmm. for all volunteers. I like it. Now, for anyone listening today, if they'd like to learn more about the Girls Empowerment Network or your upcoming conference, where should they go? Absolutely. Please, 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 you can follow us on Facebook at Girls Empowerment Network. We have a great website, girlsempowermentnetwork.org. We're on Twitter uh, under Jen Austin, which is our former name before we really expanded into Central Texas. Um, But I would say absolutely just um, drop us a line uh, at volunteer at genaustin.org. That's my direct email if you'd have any questions. Um, But our website is a great place to check out, which is girlsempowermentnetwork.org. All right. Brittany Yelverton is the Community Relations and Volunteer Manager at Girls Empowerment Network. Brittany, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. And thank you for all of the amazing work you do to support nonprofit professionals. We really, really appreciate it. On the next episode of the Nonprofit Ready Podcast, I'll be joined by Jackie Weber of Homeboy Industries. Be sure to subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And while you're there, we would love it if you left us an honest rating and review. Finally, be sure to sign up for NonprofitReady.org, our open online learning portal for nonprofit professionals, which includes more than 300 online learning resources covering the most crucial job functions in the nonprofit sector, all 100% free. The Nonprofit Ready Podcast is a production of the Cornerstone On Demand Foundation. Thanks to our executive producer, Alec Green, our editorial director, Jeanette Lamb, our sound producer, Trung Ngo, and most importantly, you, for helping us to build the nonprofit-ready community. Learn more about all of the capacity-building services of the Cornerstone On-Demand Foundation at csodfoundation.org. Thanks again, and have a great day.